questions here so like I said I was um, doing some research I was just on Instagram like scrolling along and I um, that's when I saw I came across your your interview with BBC and Pigeon yes yes and I was just instantly you know just fascinated just by like what you were doing I thought it was very very interesting and it's very very cool Thank so you. thank you for um for um talking to me, you know. I really uh -huh. appreciate it. Pleasure is all mine. Okay, so let me go ahead and do my intro. So hello everybody, welcome to the Van Mac podcast. I hope all is well and everyone is doing well. Today I have a special guest, um, an artisanal designer, an editor, and you're also a writer, correct? Yes, I am. Okay. And um, his name is Edwin. Okolo. 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 Yes, yeah, yes. And um, we're talking um, from Lagos, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm from Lagos. Okay. And I already asked you like three times, how are you doing? I know you're doing great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't need to ask again. So like sure. I said, I watched your interview on, on BBC News and Pigeon, and I loved everything about your work and how you were talking about the real definition of work. So yes. um, during that time, I know you said that you learned um, how to crochet through your grandmother, correct? Yes, okay. my grand aunt, actually. Your grand aunt. Okay. Can you explain yes. a little bit about that for me, please? Okay. So my grand aunt, um, her name is Aino Adelano. She has always used her hands like she she grew up in a time in nigeria where learning how to sew how to crochet how to knit how to make your own clothes how to cook were things that were considered valuable so they were taught like finishing school to young girls to young boys and she has always made her own clothes she's always made her own bedding she's always she's always been very handy and as i was growing up as a kid i didn't really feel connected to children my age i felt that my time could be used more constructively and i was really fascinated with the things that she made and so learning how to crochet how to knit and how to sew was my way of bonding with her it was oh, wow. my way of getting to know her because you spend a lot of time when you're crocheting in one place seated and you talk a lot. You talk about your history and your past. And she used to tell me a lot of stories about how she met my un my granduncle, how they got married, her first, because when they got married, they moved from um, where they were living in Ondo State to Lagos. And of course, when she moved to Lagos, she didn't know anyone. So she had to like, so all she had were her children. And she had to make a lot of things for her children. And she felt very isolated in that time. And being able to make these things occupied a lot of her time. It kept her busy. It kept her sane. And so I always just loved like talking with her. And because these are the things that she liked to do, I eventually started to like to do those things as well. Right. And then after a while, I realized that it, it really is very, very satisfying to know how to create something from nothing. And so I've always gravitated towards things that allow me to create something from nothing because of that and because of her. Wow. And that's kind of like similar to like my story too. Like my mom um, and my aunt, they sew a lot as well. And um, I went to school for fashion design here in the States, okay. but my whole family awesome. is from Sierra Leone. Oh, so, okay. um, yeah, right. I got... Cousins. Cousins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. And um, yeah, it's just, I feel, I feel like it's just fascinating when you're like, the, just the creative especially in the family when you're able to do things like with your hands and you're just able to just create I think it's just a great mm -hmm. thing you know um, it really is yeah so I, I, I think it's a it's a blessing uh, and the, the name of your brand is Studio Imo yes Imo okay. Imo it's pronounced I yeah Imo it's a Ibibio word okay which means wealth 
Oh, and wow. I feel like having, yeah, being able to create is a kind of wealth because no one can take it from you. No one can manipulate you or influence you in any kind of way because that kind of knowledge is knowledge that is always yours. And I've always found it fascinating that people who can create things, people who can make things, they have a kind of wealth, a wealth of experience, a wealth of knowledge that they can always take with them. They can never really be poor. So I've always thought of it in that in that way. And so when I wanted to, to name my brand, because I, um, I actually started the brand with a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. His name is actually Imo Bong, which is friend of wealth. Oh, I like so, that, yeah. Yeah, so we I took his name as a way to keep him close to me. And I like the idea behind the name, which is that when you have something like this, you have wealth. You have yes. wealth that continues to grow and generate and okay. is always with you. It's never, nobody can take it away. Nobody can, all you just need is your materials and you can create wealth for yourself. So I wanted that to be embedded in my brand and the code in the name of the brand itself. Wow. I love everything about that. Everything you just said, that's very, very true. Creativity is wealth and no one can take that away from you. When you're able to create, you're able to do so much things. I feel like, you're able to even learn more about yourself. Yes. Just, you know, it, it, as I an really individual. Feel that. I, yeah. I feel that every time I create something, especially because I use crochet as my medium and there's still so much that needs to be learned about crochet. Every time I create something, I'm in the process of changing and iterating because what I have in my head usually is not exactly the same as what I eventually create. Oh my and God, that yes. Of from what's in my head and what I create it feels like every time that happens, I expand a little more, mm-hmm. I learn a little more, I grow. Right. I totally agree with that. That It always happens, especially when, and that's the main reason why, like, I don't know if you sketch, I don't know how your process is, but we'll get further into that. Um, sure. For me personally, I sketch just because, like, that's how I was taught in school. But, like, I like, you know, being able to have a sketchbook, put my ideas in a sketchbook. But I notice that every time when I'm creating a garment, it, it's never the beginning result. It's uh, it's always something yes. like I add to it or it changes. And it actually looks, you know, even better than I thought it would look like. Or it can be a complete disaster and then I'm just yeah. trying it again, you know. But I feel like every, like, I feel like I, I call it a, a creative mistake. So... Yeah. If it's a mistake, you just go along with it and see what's happening. And then at the end, you're like, oh, okay, this is nice. Like, I really, really like this, you know? So, and that's all about a part of being creative. Like, just being able to let go of um, boundaries and constraints and just willing to just go for it and create something that you really, really like. Yeah. And, and did you, um, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, okay, you know, your question, you were asking a question. Oh, you want to finish? Go ahead. <laughs> I don't want to cut you off, go ahead. Uh, okay, so because uh, when you when you say that, um, I've always, like, part of crochet for me mm-hmm. is that when I first started, um, when I looked at what people were making professionally, I found that the vast majority of people were making bikinis mm. or swimsuits. Yes. And it felt like, is this all that can be made? Is this all? There seems to be like two factions where people are just making bikinis and swimsuits and then people were making like duvets and and, uh, blankets and baby clothes. And I felt, why aren't people pushing themselves beyond this point? If you can make a duvet, you can make a dress because it's still the same amount of time. It's still the same amount of work. You're just not thinking in that direction mm-hmm. you're not thinking tangentially you're not thinking wide enough and it, it really motivated me because i wanted to to make all the silhouettes i'd seen on like my favorite designers and i just want to make it in crochet i felt the only thing the only difference is the medium i'm using but the idea should be tangible it should be doable and uh, that is, has always been part of my design philosophy that nothing should be um, forbidden mm-hmm. for someone for someone who crochets. The only thing that really forbids you from doing something is working out the mechanics of it. Otherwise, if the silhouette exists, then it can be replicated in crochet. If the design exists, it can be replicated in crochet. You might have to do a little bit of 
um, you know, creative thinking, but it can be executed. And I always think about that when I start something creative. Right. And that's what I think, too, about, like, Ankara's, like, um, it doesn't have to be the basic, like, dress form or shape. I feel like yeah. that can be an expansion. People can think beyond just the basic shape or silhouette. Um, when it comes to creating, like using the wax fabric or Ankara, you can think outside the box and create something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, because in school, um, when I was, because I machine knit. I knit, I knit yeah. using the machine. I used to um, knit by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't, I never crocheted. I could never. <laughs> <laughs> it was something I tried and I said, forget it. <laughs> I'm not doing yeah. that. But um, I, I have a machine that I use to knit. And one thing, that's why I said with the Ankara, I used to shred up. And I still do. Yeah. I shred up Ankara um, fabric or the um, wax fabric and material. Sometimes yeah. I use plaid boxers, men's boxers. I shred it up and I insert it in the machine as I'm knitting. Um, okay. And it's something that I've always done and I want to expand on that. But that's one thing that I do because I like to mix, you know, textiles together and yeah. shapes and colors and textures. I think that's, you know, that's something that, that you're doing. Yeah, and I definitely. feel like that's something that as as a designer, like pushing the envelope and, and going the extra mile and creating something that's out of the norm. I think that's that's just design. You know, it's design is not meant to be what everybody else is doing. It's your interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you you did not go to school for crochet or did you no, go to. I didn't. OK, did you go I to um, school in general? Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. Um, I have a I have a bachelor's degree in geography and regional planning. Okay. Yes, that's which good. is very very far from anything I'm doing right now, <laughs> or, or rather, it seems very far. But from when I as I work now, I find that a lot of the things I was taught in university actually affect my work. Mm. Like for example, I I think of like when I when I drape a dress, I think of how you know, age mm-hmm. and time will affect the eventual drape. Mm. When I make something, I think of how, how will it age? And which is something that in geography we think a lot about, about how aging changes things. Aging changes like the the planet's topography and also changes how a dress sits on a person. Right. How a dress, like the color, the textures, how that evolves is a function of aging and whenever I make something I like to think about that I like to think about how will this thing age how will external factors influence how will it weather I love what I actually use I, I, when I make a dress when I think of and it's part of the reason why right now I use a lot of synthetic fabrics because I felt when I started using synthetic fabrics people were like oh that's not safe for the environment and, and this and that and I'm like if you're going to use synthetic fabrics the place that I think is best to use it is in clothing mm-hmm. because the clothing isn't going to need as much, isn't going to dirty as often as, you know, natural fabrics. Right. It isn't going to age as much as natural fabrics. fabrics. And it's going to retain its shape for longer, which means it stays in your wardrobe for longer. It's mm-hmm. something you can pass on to your children and your children's children. Because it's plastic. It's not going to biodegrade. The, the is not going to affect it in the way it affects uh, natural fabrics so i feel yeah there's a lot of discussion around oh use natural fabrics biodegradable. yeah like sustainability like, yeah, yeah. And, and i'm like yeah that's that's great and that's fine but mm-hmm. to even create these fabrics there is a cost yeah there's a cost to the environment to make cotton there's a cost to the environment to make jute you have to spend all this time and to create all this to create land to, to water time all these things go into creating good quality cotton, good quality jute. And those are things that we actually discuss a lot about. People are like, oh, I don't want to use poor quality cotton. I don't want to use poor quality jute. But when you, when you move to synthetic, those concerns aren't really concerns anymore because mm-hmm. plastic is plastic is plastic. Right. So I think about it. I like that. Those are one of those are the ways that what I study in the university kind of affect my, my design philosophy. Mm-hmm. It, it, I understand that the thing about plastic, the only problem about plastic is that when it 
goes out of use is when it becomes a problem. So the longer we can keep it in use, the longer we can we can make it functional, make it useful. And I think, especially with clothing, because clothing tends to go in and out of style. Right. So you don't really discard clothing when it comes when it has a story like someone hand crocheted a dress. It's a lot harder for you to discard something like that than something that is made out of cheap cotton, um, you know, made as thin as possible so that people can just buy it for really cheap. So that, 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 I think that sometimes you have to you have to come with a reverse psychology to get the solutions that you want, especially for sustainability and for uh, things like climate change. And I try to incorporate that into my own design philosophy. So I guess, yeah, <laughs> my education... It wasn't useless after all. Right, right. And that's that's one thing that I thought too for myself, you know, because especially because college, college is, is a lot of money. Just being able to further and get further education, it's just sometimes it's just difficult. But at the end, it helps you. It it rewires your brain and makes you think outside the box. Um, yep, definitely. You know, so I think that's that's really good. I think that's a good degree to have under your belt. Um, with your career um so when did you figure out crochet design you know could be a career for you um so it's really funny i used to make uh sweaters in 2010 2011 mostly as like church keys for my friends and people i was dating at Mm -hmm. the time and then i made a a sweater for a friend of mine and she said you know what i'll pay you for this Mm. and i thought wow i've it's a gift. You don't have to pay me. And she's like, no, I've seen how much time that went into this. I see that you really put a lot of care and a lot of time into it. Right. So I want to pay you for it. And then she paid me. And I didn't even think anything of it until like two, three months later, I went to a party in Lagos and a designer approached me and she said, I love this sweater you're wearing. How, where did you get it from? And I told her I made it. And then she was like, you have to collaborate with me. You have to collaborate with me. Oh, wow. I hadn't really thought about it at that time. Mm-hmm. But I thought if I was going to go into design, I'd want to go into design with someone who already has an infrastructure. Right. So right. all I have to work, I'll have to focus on is fabrication and creative direction. I right. didn't want to think about how do I sell this? Right. To whom do I sell this? I just right. wanted to make. Someone already so established. I, yes. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, you know, aligning myself with her would give me the creative freedom I needed, mm-hmm. but would also free me of all the technical responsibilities of being a design label, of right. owning a design label. Right. And I did work with her. Um, we were supposed to make three pieces for mm-hmm. the collection. And then we ended up making 21. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes, uh, because I, I think she didn't realize how first of all, how quick mm-hmm. I could make clothes. And she didn't realize that the only limitations I had at that point was my imagination. If you told me to try something, I would try it. Right. And a lot of times the experiments that we tried came out a lot better than she hoped for. Mm. So she kept asking, can you make a shirt? Can you make shorts? Can you make a dress? Can you make a jumpsuit? Mm-hmm. Can we fringe this jumpsuit? Can we do this and can we do that? And I had time on my hands because I just graduated at the time. I finished my year of service in my country, so I had a lot of time. Okay. And so I just I was just like experiment. Let's just just experiment. She's paying for the materials. She's paying for my time. All I have to do is sit and make. And so we ended up making twenty one pieces. Yeah, but it, it, after that, I think she got greedy because she tried to take create creative. She tried to own the, the designs and oh God, at that point yeah. yeah i'd only made samples so i just said you know what i'm just, pulling out right right and so yeah but that's so the that, scary that part too about doing um collaborations and um combining things with people because you just don't know their intentions you know because for for you because from what i'm sensing for you it's like you have a love of design and pure love of design. You're doing this out of the kindness of your heart. This is something that you love to do. And then you have people who who see design as a way of kind of um, profiting mostly. Yes, you know, profiting and, and, and kind of having this limelight in the public and wanting to be famous. And it's not about that, you know. That's and more. that's the part that really sucks because a lot of people especially over here in the states it's a lot of designers over here that has a lot of recognition that um 
you know, they're just doing whatever and it's not thought of, it's not done out of love. And I think that's the, and it's so cheesy to say, but that's how I feel too. I just feel like when you're designing, it should be something out of love, something that you care about, you know, it's like, it's like a child, you know, you're raising a child, you know. Like it, it, I, I feel so strongly about this because I feel that um, when you make clothes, you make clothes for the, at least I personally make clothes for the express purpose right. of having someone connect with the idea behind the clothing mm-hmm. and love it as much as I do. Right. See something I make, have someone wear it and cherish it. I've had that experience a couple of times with a couple of repeat buyers mm-hmm. where they, they understand the craft behind it. They understand the finished product. They love how it fits on their body. Right. They love how it makes them feel. And just being able to experience that with them is something that I really, really love. I It, it, it makes design worth it for mm-hmm. me as, a, as somebody who creates. Yeah. To have somebody take ownership of something you've made and love it as much as you do, maybe even more. Like right. For somebody to say, this changes how I feel about myself. This improves my mood. This, this, this puts me in awe and I get to wear it. Right. I just, and I, I don't think a lot of people who design, design for that reason. They design because they want to be famous. They design because they think it's a, it's an easier career path mm-hmm. than, you know, banking yeah. or, or engineering. And I, cause I, I, and I'm just like, if you don't, if you don't want to create things that first of all, fascinate you and then fascinate your buyer why are you in this business? Why exactly. are you doing this anyways? Exactly. I totally agree with you. And that actually brings me to my next question. Like, what are some reactions people give you, like, when they see your work? I think the most, the, the so because I work with a lot of synthetic fabrics, mm-hmm. it doesn't drape well okay. on, like, hangers. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're completely different um, reaction when people see it on a human body than when they see it on a mannequin on on like a hanger or hung somewhere. And that reaction is, I think it's the most common thing. I see people are just like, wow, I didn't know it would look like this. Right. (laughs) I didn't know this is the thing that you were trying to create. I get that a lot. And then I also get, the second thing I get is, what am I going to wear under this? Yeah. (laughs) Because, (laughs) Because I feel like people don't really understand that crochet is essentially lace exactly. but it's handmade intricate lace so often i have to tell them if you were going to buy a lace dress what would you wear under a lace dress and they tell me oh i'll sleep i would wear um you know flesh tone underwear and i'm like just do that yeah just do that yeah uh, and then i think the third thing i i i get from the people a lot is oh i don't know how you're able to sell at this price point because if it was me and I had to make every single piece of this thing with my hands, I would never sell it for this amount. And I often have to explain to them that I have to create, I have to, I have to sacrifice, you know, price points mm-hmm. for access to the market. I That's true. I have no intention of making clothes that nobody can afford. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no value for me in that. So I find I have to find a price point that I feel is fair to me, but is also fair to my audience. Because yes. my audience doesn't know how much time that goes into the dress. And sure, I can explain that to them, but that's not why they're they're there for the sensation. They're mm-hmm. there for the feeling. They're there for the um for that that experience. Right. And like a filmmaker, like a musician, like a, a a dancer, your audience is not there when you're rehearsing. Your audience is not there when you're doing post-production. So the they, they pay, for example, in film, you pay $10 to see the film or $15. Mm-hmm. And if I was going to, to, to make my film for one or one person, he, they wouldn't be able to afford it, period. So it takes a community to afford handcrafted design it takes a community who understand what you're doing who are willing to invest repeatedly in your pieces to make this worth 12 for you i wouldn't want to put the value of my work on one person to say oh 
if you're going to buy it, you have to buy it at 100% full value. Right. Every second of my time has to count. That's so I true. try to ensure that I have a huge audience base that their 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 little input when they put it together it makes it worth it for me to keep creating. Right. Oh my god, I love you. You're like my fashion friend. Everything you were saying is just you're just speaking my heart, like for real. Like it's it's like I, I try to explain like even with my mom, like, well why can't you sell at this price? This one? And I'm like, I can't because like I love creating. I love sewing. I love the smile on people's faces when they're seeing something that I make and, and they like it and they wanna wear it. You know, I wanna be able yep to create something that everyone can access and it has to be reasonable and it has to be made right. So everything that you said, I totally agree. And do you feel like as a creative or designer designer in Africa, um, do you feel like people can't relate or understand like when they see you crocheting or knitting or, you know, being creative? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because People ha- tend to. So we have a, a vibrant wedding culture in Africa, mm-hmm. especially in Nigeria, my country. People pay. I mean, and I'm not kidding. They pay millions of dollars mm-hmm. to finance a wedding. Right. So a wedding, wedding dresses, especially, people pay five hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars. Yes, Nigerians do it big for wedding dress for the reception dress for the traditional wedding dress so on some level they understand craftsmanship right. they understand quality they understand value they just feel that it has to be tied to specific events mm. so a lot of the time i have to explain to them that yes i want my pieces to be and i've, I've seen this happen where i've made dresses for people where they constantly wear the dresses to the point where they have to retire the dress for a while because people have started asking don't you have any more clothes? Don't you have any other clothes? Mm. But I often have to explain to them that I I enjoy crochet as a process. I enjoy creating a process. Mm-hmm. Like there is no end goal. The end being able to sell what I make is a very interesting byproduct of what I do. But the clothes I make, if they're just hanging in my bedroom. I'd still gain all the satisfaction, the fulfillment, the the, um, the growth right. that comes from creating from them. So my process, I have to explain to them that, yes, I enjoy the fact that you enjoy what I make. I enjoy the fact that you want to share in what I make, but I'm not making for you per se. I'm mm-hmm. not making specifically to court you as a buyer. Exactly. Yeah. I'm making for me. Yeah. And if I enjoy what I'm making, then I can give it away. Then I can say, okay, I've, I've gained all the satisfaction I can gain from this. So I can put it out into the world for someone else to gain that same satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Only as a, as a consumer, only as a buyer, only as an audience. So I, I have to explain that to them a lot. I have to explain to them that, yeah, I'm not wasting my time. My life isn't over have a day job and i gain a different kind of satisfaction from that day job but this this creative creativity for me design for me is a a a place where i don't have as much expectation and because i don't have as much expectation i can truly just enjoy the process right 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 like even when the end result isn't great i can enjoy the process I can take a step back and learn from the process. I can take a step back and say, okay, I did 70% of this great and I did 20% of this bad and I would have never learned how to do this 20% right if I didn't get it wrong. But if my design was <coughs> focused primarily, if that really made money, I feel like I would be a lot, on, I'll be under a lot more pressure mm-hmm. to have everything come out great the first time. I'd be under a lot more pressure to create things I think people would want to buy immediately. I'd be under a lot more pressure not to experiment. And those are the things that make creativity, especially in fashion design, worth it for me. I so agree. I, 
I just try as much as possible, especially because of all the the culture and all the history and all. The, or if you're not a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, are you really working a real job? I I I have been through that, and I don't want to be that through that anymore. So right. I just I just create for creation, mm-hmm. and what I sell, I sell. What I keep, I keep. I have sweaters that have been in my wardrobe for years, and I don't even wear them. I just take them out and I enjoy them. And right. That actually, in the in your interview with BBC, you said um, you talking about like woman work, and I was like, is there a real definition of woman work? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the, like, um, there we have like like a lot of work in Nigeria is gendered. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly gendered. Um, sewing, knitting, crochet, cooking. Um, even like just like hospitality general general is gendered. Sure, you can be a hotel manager as a man, but to be like a cleaner, to be like a cook, to be like a um, like you know just like the the person who uh, attends to people. Mm-hmm. All of those kind of work tends to be gendered towards women, and men are often discouraged from entering those jobs. Right. Even though I think now sewing is a lot better. Sure, men do all those things, but people assume that is either they're homosexual, number one, or right. they're they're not they're not motivated enough to get real work. And I just never bought into any of that. I just thought it was a, a load of hogwash. Mm-hmm. I thought it I, I thought it made no sense because it makes no sense. Because one of the things I really found fascinating is that the most pressure to not do these things happens when you're in your between 14 to 25. That's when they pressure a lot of people into certain kind of roles. But once you exit those years and you become successful in the thing, people actually become fascinated with you. They see you as an outlier. They, they see, they, they think, Oh, this is woman's work, but this man is doing this woman's work, and he's doing it better than the women. Oh, that's very cute. You're like a, a curiosity. Mm-hmm. So they don't take you seriously either, but they think you are cute and you're fascinating and you're an outlier. You're not like this is something that. So they wouldn't encourage their own like son mm-hmm. <laughs> to go into that to to try this out, but they'd say, oh yeah, you know that person is cute, right. as they're doing that thing but i don't think you should do it you should be a lawyer you're not going to be as lucky as that person right. as though luck has anything to do with to it do so with I, it. Not that, at that all. whole idea that whole idea of gendering things and then when people break those gender stereotypes they now banish you into the the realm of curiosity of oddity and like oh he's an oddity he's a curiosity oh this thing he's doing is very interesting but it's not like a real job or you know it's not like real he's probably doing it for attention or something so i i just i i i wanted i want as much as possible to convince people to not to ignore the gender stereotyping around work and to see the dignity of work because until until and and i struggle with it even myself because i feel that part of the reason why this work is gendered is because people see it as lower paying Mm. and so they think Oh, women, you know, the work, the menial work, the work that, you know, requires a lot of physical exertion and all of this, let's just throw it off to the women. They do it for cheaper. And so when men enter into those spaces, they tend to get paid more because they're thinking, oh, since he's an oddity and a curiosity, whatever price he asks for, <laughs> let's just give it to him because, you know, he's rare. Right. And then the women who are already in those fields who are excelling are creating they have to fight to make half as much as the man who is a curiosity or an oddity in those gendered professions makes and i am very conscious of that and i am trying as much as possible just part of the reason why my price points are the way they are mm-hmm. is that i don't want to become one of those people who profits off being a curiosity who profits off being an oddity who you know people are buying things from him because of the novelty of what they do not right. because of excellence or the craftsmanship or the time and work that goes into it. I want to be in these professions 
breaking those stereotypes, but also not making it harder for women in those who are who are already like you know corralled into these professions. Right. Not coming sick from the little that they're able to get from these professions coming and then you know taking a huge chunk and they're not giving back or acknowledging the dignity of their labor and that there's nothing that I'm doing that is exotic or different or special that requires special attention or requires you know to for me to be elevated over the women who are already working in those places so i'm very very particular about saying that vocally telling people that yeah of course i do crochet and i do crochet because i enjoy it not because i think that you know i can go into this field and then become like a novelty and then make a lot of money off it and make a lot of fame because you know he's the boy who crochets and crochet normalities for women that that narrative i just want to crush it right and you, and it's, it's gonna happen. I mean, it's gonna happen <laughs> either way. Because I feel it like people to, can say what they want to wanna say, but at the end of the day, you're not me. On and God has blessed you with some talent. So, I mean, and that's that's like one of my whole like mottos that I've been going by. Like, just stay creative and mind your business. God's gonna do the rest. I'm not gonna rush for anybody. I'm not going to rush for my mom. I'm not going to rush for, I don't know, people who have opinions. For no one, really. Right, for nobody. And I just feel like when you're creating and when you're trying to establish something, it takes time. It takes time. And and for me personally, I still have a lot to learn. I'm not a professional. And I'm not going to ever be a professional. I'm just a creative. I'm a creator. I'm a designer. And that's just like how I, it I, is. I always tell my mom, I say, if you actually look at um, people who become masters in their fields, mm-hmm. it's actually a, an outlier for someone to become a master in their field in their 20s mm-hmm. or in their 30s. People mm-hmm. tend to peak, especially creatively as designers, as artists, as musicians in their 40s. Right. 40s, early 50s. Like, most of the favorite designers are people love now, Dolce and Gabbana and... and and Valentino and John Galliano and 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 uh, and like Ralph Simmons, they're in their late forties, early fifties. They're peaking now, and they have been working for twenty years, twenty-five years. They've been under the scene. They've been learning. They've been growing. They've been so. There's no there's no part of the process that isn't valuable to the person creating. Right. And so the fact that you don't think I'm worthy at this point in time. If you actually looked at the facts, if you looked at historical examples, if you looked at contemporary examples, you'd see that when someone peaks creatively, their age stops mattering. It doesn't matter that I peaked at 55. The point is, I have peaked. Right. Like, it it doesn't matter. So when when people say, especially to creative, when they say, oh, you know, this person is 22 and he's doing this, and I'm like, yeah, you don't even know if that person has peaked. What you're seeing is what you're projecting on this person. Mm -hmm. You don't know if that's their creative peak. You don't know if that person is ever going to peak. You don't know if this is the best they're going to do. So why would you try to pressure me to live according to someone else's uh, timeline as a creator? Why? That that, that makes me. So I'm here. I'm like, I create for me. Like, Mm -hmm. it might take me 10 years to learn the technique that Mm -hmm. will, like, make me famous around the world. I don't know how long it will take. Right. I don't have a timeline for it. Right. I have other things that, you know, I measure myself by that don't have the, the, that, you know, they have a quicker timeline than my creative career and my creative journey. And I'm not going to take the timeline for those other things, like, you know, for like a professional career and put it to my creative career and say, you know, I have to peak by 25. That's, that's a lot of pressure on a young person who is, a lot of times, no matter what you learn in school, Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once you leave and you start to experiment, that's when the real learning begins. Right. And you never know how long that will take. Exactly. We're finding out now that a lot of things that we're taught, we're, we're not nearly enough for the challenges that we're going to face. Like, we're thinking now, how are we going to create fabric for climate change? Mm-hmm. And a lot of things they teach us, you know, they teach us how to waste fabric. It's just how to, 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 to waste a lot of things. Like, design as it is right now it's like ruffles and layers and extra volume yeah, yeah. these things are bad for the environment so how do we so 
essentially every person who enters into design in 20, 2019 has to create their own design philosophy that rejects everything they have learned is good fashion, is progressive fashion, mm. is challenging fashion to create something that will work for the reality they're finding themselves in. So why would I, as a creator, then allow someone else to dictate what my opus is, what the thing I'm supposed to solve, right. the thing I'm supposed to challenge? They can never really know. I don't know. I just, I feel strongly about this. Right. No, I... Me too, especially like sustainability and things like that. And I actually talked about a little bit of that. I think it was my first podcast that I posted and um, it was called Fashion Kills. And it was just about the environment and how so many stores produce so much like collections in like one season. And then at the end, they, they put it on sale. And if it doesn't sell, they dump it in landfills. Like, you're just dumping all this, like, you're making, you're over making clothes. And then instead of, like, I don't know, doing something with them or just reusing them, they can even save those things and bring them back out for, like, in, like, three, four seasons. Because no one's not going to remember, you know? So instead, they just dump it in these random areas and they just put dirt on them and just hopefully it seeps into the ground and then that's it and i just feel like that's just being wasteful and you want it i just feel like it's just it's like leading by example you know and like it has to change it's it's very wasteful very wasteful so very wasteful um and what are you most inspired by like what designing do you have like a certain method um that you that you do do you sketch or do you just jump right on in and just start creating so so i used to sketch mm-hmm. much earlier in in my design journey mm-hmm. and then i just realized that sketching for me doesn't work mm-hmm. because of how crochet works like a lot of the time because there's no frame of reference i can't really measure i have a general outline in my head of okay these are the general measurements i want but I can never really tell how the drape, how the silhouette is going to work until I start working on the on the piece. So I stop sketching. What I do now is that I take one or two elements that I want to incorporate into what I'm making. I design on a silo I decide on a silhouette in my head and then I just go at it and I iterate as I go along so that I have a finished product. Right. I, I find that that, that is a it's a lot easier for me as a designer because I go into, I have a, okay, I say I want to make a dress, mm-hmm. I want to make a jumpsuit, or I want to make a blouse, and and I decide, okay, these are the one or, two, one or two elements that have to be in the design, and maybe originally in my head, I'm thinking it's going to be like, a, I'm going to put a cutout at the Empire Waist, mm-hmm. and I start making it, and then I realize, oh, a cutout at the Empire Waist can't support breasts, so mm-hmm. I have to move it a little lower, right. things like that, so... I find that that works for me. I feel like maybe in the future I might have to start sketching again, but for now, I just like have a general outline in my head of how it's going to go, right. and then I work with that. Uh, for designers that I'm inspired by, I've, I'm just, I'm inspired by um, Golden Era Dolce and Gabbana. Okay. That, there's a there was a period from like 2012 to 2015 yeah. where they really like focused on Italy and like. Europe for inspiration, so they did like Sardinia and 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 Greece and uh, and Rome, and they were so the silhouettes were so classic, they, they were so um, demure, they were so beautiful, like that. I just really loved that era of Dolce Gabbana, and I, and I feel like it part it was part of the reason why I, I want to make classic clothing. I want to make clothing that is timeless, right. and I, I, because of that. I, I'm also really like a huge fan of Sonia Riquel because oh, I feel yes. like she was very self, self-referential. self mm-hmm. She was always looking at herself for inspiration. She was always thinking, oh, look at me from 20 years ago. I want to replicate this. I want to recreate this. And I, I feel like creators should be a lot more self-referential. Your work, you're an artist, so your work should reference your own personal experiences a lot more than it does right now. Most definitely. That's why I love that about her. Yeah. That should um, be your main inspo. Yeah, so uh, Pierre, 
Pierpaolo Piccolo. I love Piccoli, actually. Sorry, mm-hmm. I love his design philosophy. I love how he's flourishing right now. I love. I just. I, I look at his work and I look at how his work is inspired by poetry and literature and, and history. And I just want to create like that. I want to create work that is common, is a commentary on the world. So I'm inspired a lot by him as well. Um, in Nigeria, I'm inspired by Diola Sago. Mm-hmm. She has a 25-year history and she's like one of Nigeria's best couturiers. She, she does spectacular work. And then, of course, I'm inspired by my friends. Denny Care. Denny Care was, she, I think she studied accounting and then she left and went back to fashion school oh, wow. to start a fashion career. And I felt that takes balls. Yes, it does. <laughs> so I, I'm really inspired by that. I'm inspired that, you know, because especially in our country, once you have a festival, people think you have to go and work. Just go and work. You can do this on the side. And she's mm-hmm. like, you know, I come to design and that's the thing I want to do with my life. Right. And I feel like I need professional training to do that. And she went back and she got the training. And so I'm really inspired by her and the work that she does. So, yeah, those are my inspirations for now. That's good. I guess. That's and good. how yeah. I work. Those are some good inspirations. Um, what is the hardest thing about being a designer? Uh, the hardest thing about the, being a designer for me is justifying your value. Okay, yeah. It, 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 it always always it stresses me out so much to have to justify the time the effort the innovation the experience that goes into every single piece and because it's like even when people understand it even when they they value it they still want you to give them a discount they still want you to Mm -hmm. to give them special treatment they still want to like and often to do that they start by diminishing the work. Yes. They are like, oh yeah, I, I know you are very talented, but it's just a blouse. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, it's not just a blouse. It's just, it's not just a skirt. The fact that it looks simple doesn't mean it's simple. It's designed so you can just wear it and go. Yes. But there's a lot of things that go into it to make it, to make you able to just wear it and go. And having to, to justify that feels a lot like having to justify your reason for existing. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't want to do that. I I want, I want a lot of times to just like have it, have people just come and understand where I'm coming from. Which is why the few people who have have had that experience with, I really really hold them dear. Like that like there was this um, girl Ada Murphy. She's like a she's a multidisciplinary artist, and mm-hmm. she asked me to make a dress for her. Oh wow! And I made the dress, and when she saw it, she said, "I can't." pay you what you're asking for this dress and she tripled what i was asking for and paid it up front oh wow and at that point in time i had been struggling a lot with why should i keep doing this is there any worth in this is there any value right. and her doing that and talking about the clothes with such reverence kind of you know it it, it, it was like someone refueled my soul <laughs> and I've always <laughs> held on to that that this is possible there are yes. people out there who yes. will find your design and will be so moved by it that they will triple your price, asking price Amen. Yeah. and feel nothing no remorse and, and even feel and they feel even as they tripled your asking price they feel that they're still cheating you <laughs> they feel like oh I would pay more if I could afford more Right. so this is my idea of a bargain, mm-hmm. which is often way more than you think you're worth at that time. Exactly. And so those people, they're rare, but they reinforce the value of work that you give. And it's really sad that everybody isn't like that, that we don't get that every day. We don't get that kind of positive reinforcement. We don't get that kind of financial remuneration mm-hmm. as often as we need it as creators. And we have to find that internally. But my pet peeve, the thing I hate the most, is having to justify the quality and the value of my work. Right, right. And you shouldn't even have to, you know. Sure. And like you said, there will pe- be people who will understand, you know. And I call that affirmations, you know, that they remind yeah. you that, you know, you're on the right track and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, so do you think that crochet and knitting is like the future of fashion? I actually honestly do. Okay. Because 
I'm a huge science fiction and fantasy nerd. Mm-hmm. Huge science fiction and fantasy nerd. And when I think of sewing, I think of how impractical sewing is. Sewing requires you to already have fabric. Right. And that is very impractical in a post-apocalyptic world. Crochet and knitting, on the other hand, literally, you can take a piece of yarn. You can create yarn from anything and turn it into clothing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like while it is futuristic, it is also timeless. Like, it's something that will always remain relevant. It will always remain valuable. Mm-hmm. It will always remain self-sustaining idea of being able to create especially for someone who loves science fiction and fantasy is is the 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 self-sustenance of it the the, the perpetuation right. that crochet and knitting represents like you can always like you can move to a room and all you need is two straight pieces of wood or like any kind of two metals mm-hmm. two, two pieces of wood two pieces of metal right. two pieces of plastic that are thin and straight and you can create a garment. Right. I don't think there's anything that 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 can surpass that for a, a design creator. I agree. <laughs> because crochet and knitting, so, you're making your own you're making your own textile. You're making your own fabric. Yeah, you're making your own textile. You know and you're you're fabricating in the process. It's right. not as if you have to make your textile and then fabricate separately. You're doing everything at the same time. So when you finish you finish with a garment. Right. And that's one reason but why... For s- oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so you finish with a garment, and I don't think sewing and a lot of the other methods that we use really give you that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think crochet and knitting are... They are ironically futuristic. Mm-hmm. Because they continue to evolve. They continue to grow. People continue to create new patterns every day. It feels like something that, you know... We should have learned the, the length and breadth of, but we haven't. Right. Yeah, because um, in school I was, I, my major was just fashion design. That's what I got my bachelor's in. And um, one of my teachers told me, you know, why don't you explore other mediums um, mm-hmm. and try like the machine knitting class? And I didn't want to do it at first because I was like, I don't want to knit. Yeah. Like, you know, I was just like, I don't want to knit. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I'm serious. I was like, I don't want to do this. Not what I came to school for. I just want to sew and I want to know how to create patterns and stuff like that. But it's crazy because my whole senior collection, almost 80 percent of everything was knitwear. And I'm like, I, you know, like <laughs> I made a jacket and I made pants and I made sweaters out of you know machine knitting and i'm like wow mm-hmm. and i love it more than like sewing with regular fabrics and i really yep. think that that is the that's just the future you know knitting and crochet weaving making your own textiles yes. you know by hand i think it's it's awesome like, there's just something so reverential about it like, right there's something about create like you know where it was created from. You know how. And something I always explain to people that people don't really, really understand is that with knits, hand and machine knits and crochet, mm-hmm. the fabric is different. Right. It gives. It has give. Mm-hmm. It, it it it's very forgiving. It expands to meet your needs. Right. It contracts to meet your needs, which is something we don't really get from traditional fabric. Exactly. Unless you're like you you're using stretch actual stretch fabric but right. crochet and knits they, they they are there's something about them that is very fluid it's very it's and i feel like until you create your own fabric either you weave it or you crochet it or you knit it you don't really understand that feeling once you understand once you experience it it's really hard especially as someone who who is a design creative it's very hard to go back to sewing mm-hmm. sewing is so rigid it's so I cut this, I cut this, I put this, but with right. knit and crochet, you can literally just tack on an arm, tack on a sleeve, tack on a ruffle. You don't mm-hmm. have to cut. <clears throat> it, 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 there's just that, you know, possibility of it, the, 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 the pliability of it, the possibility of it that I feel like 
a lot of people don't really experience because they go to, to the design school and they, they just learn how to sew and cut and draft patterns. Right, and, and that's leave. it. It's a little boring. <laughs> I just feel like when you're creating, you know, knitting, crochet, it's it's more interesting. You're actually seeing the um, textile, the fabric come to life, you know? Yes, yes. And you can stop at any point in time and change things, and, right. and, and you can you can you can actually destroy it and recreate it. It's mm-hmm. just... Yeah, that's the best thing. And and do you feel like in the future you'll explore other skills of design? Oh no, I actually just I bought a machine this year because I want to take it up knitting again. I'm Yay! Sorry. <laughs> Which one did you get? The big gauge or the small one? Uh, the small gauge. The small gauge. I, I just okay. want to make yeah. I just want to like make stuff myself because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I want to. I just want to go back to sewing. I just want to make everything I wear by right, myself. Right. Because I I feel like the the way to have a Spartan lifestyle is to make everything yourself. When you make something, you're gonna value it more. You're mm-hmm. gonna value the process that brought it to life. Right. And you're gonna think more constructively about what you wear and how you present yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like learning to sew again is going to do that for me so I, I'm, I'm excited yes good 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 and and that's one thing um my mom always tells me she's like everything like things that you sew or make try to wear them like wear them when you go out wear just wear what you create you know because you are your biggest you know brander people want to especially when you tell people you if they ask you like what do you do you know i create i sew they want to be able to see what you're doing so it's best to wear the stuff that you make you know um but yes i'm so glad you got a a knitting machine you're gonna love it you're gonna make so much great stuff i'm telling you're gonna love that thing you're gonna love it (laughs) i can't can't wait like honestly i just want to i want to like block off some time and just like start and start I, doing I it every, yeah. i have everything yeah good just, good I, it's just that i have i have orders for my crochet that i'm trying to get out of the way right so i can just like have some time to myself to, to start experimenting again right right and um do you like keep up with the fashion industry or like fashion news i used to mm-hmm. um because I, I actually had a, a life time mm-hmm. as a fashion writer where mm-hmm. I made a lot of enemies so I used to be very very uh, <laughs> I used to be very into the fashion scene okay I still keep up now but mm-hmm. more from a like corner of my eye type of thing okay like, I know who's I know who's leaving I know who's uh, going where mm-hmm. I sometimes I, I follow like the people I love like Valentino and Sony I still look at their collections mm-hmm. but I'm not as hung up on the drama of right. the fashion industry anymore i don't like the the cattiness the 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 backbiting the the, the favoritism and the classism mm-hmm. i'm just no longer interested in any of that anymore right right the the awards and everything like you know yeah. the cfda awards and stuff like that yeah um that they award people the fact that Telfair, Telfair didn't win this yeah. year it was just like yeah what are you doing yeah like, how do you how do you justify this it's kind of like the the Grammys with like artists. Yes. You know. Yes. It's like okay, great. I and I used to be so into that. Like when I was in high school and I was I started designing, I was like, oh my god, I can't wait. You know, I want to be able to win the CFDA one day. And I feel like right. now that I'm like in life, I'm just like I don't care. Like it's not a priority, you know. Like it's nice to have. It's nice to have. It's not a yeah. Necessity. It's not a necessity it's anymore. not exactly not at all <laughs> but um yeah that's all i have for you today <laughs> thank you so much yes really thank great. you like, to get everything out of my head in the semi-literate version it's, it's fun <laughs> but um so everybody be sure to check out studio um dot imo on instagram yep. Um, it's Studio Emo, right? Yes. Emo. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, again, thank you, Edwin Okolo, right? Thank you so much. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I said it right this time. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes. So everyone, please be sure to check him out. Um, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. Um, I really loved everything that you said. 
like I said, you're speaking from my heart, and I enjoyed this conversation tremendously. Thank you so much for having me. I, like any pl- any platform to, to to speak truth to power is something that I I feel like yes, yeah. more of this, more young people talking about our challenges, especially young people of color talking right. about our challenges in an industry that doesn't really care about us or doesn't seek to understand why we do what we do. Like right. I feel like. This like your your podcast is a space for us to to talk about these things because people don't really think that black people are in fashion are creating when we often are the inspiration for a lot of things that right. are become hip and and fashionable. So oh my god, yes, yes. I, I really enjoyed this. Thank you for saying that. Oh my god, yes, because that's exactly what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm really trying to make a platform, create a platform for us to you know talk our knowledge and and talk about things that we struggle with because it has to be heard you know it does you know so yes thank you so much you can stay on the phone but i'm gonna just end it um thank you all for listening you can follow the van mac podcast on soundcloud spotify apple um please tweet me at van mac podcast with any opinions or anything you want to talk about so enjoy everybody take care and peace I'm just the one with the money bags Moving from middle to upper class Take your investment and double that Then make some more money and run it back Roll up a J and get stupid high Start in this game, only few survive We aren't the same, I am super fly You said that I've changed, I think you will